0: Welcome to Real Life Fiction. I'm Matt James with Conundrum Publishing, international best-selling author of the Jack Riley Adventure Series. And today I'll be talking to author Michael McBride. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited to talk to you.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. So um, for the viewers and the listeners um, that might not be familiar with your work or just familiar with you in general, give us just a little bit of a rundown on who Michael McBride is.
1: All right. Well, I've been publishing since 2004, um, initially in the small, small specialty press, uh, hundreds of copies at a time, and gradually moved up through self-publishing and traditional publishing to the point where I can now do this full-time. I'm generally writing in science fiction slash horror, and I also write traditional thrillers as Michael Lawrence for St. Martin's.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to ask about that, because you, you, you were doing uh, the, the Michael Lawrence stuff as well with the more... So traditional thrillers as in just it doesn't have as much of like a supernatural and or yeah,
1: no supernatural elements um okay more conspiracy based so oh, okay. it was yeah Had time to
0: release those yeah 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 no i'm a uh, i've i've done the uh i guess most of my books revolve a little bit around like the like the mystique and like the, the the lore of things but i try to keep it as grounded as possible um yeah. i like science fiction and horror i love writing in it um i just end up revolving back to like the more traditional action adventure thriller style um but um so where does um like your unit 51 series for instance um i know that's kind of like your baby that's kind of like your long-term like you know that's like Michael McBride like the name it's like the unit 51 series is kind of um how I would define you if I if somebody says hey Matt you know what does he write and I said check out his unit 51 series like um where where does that come from as far as that series in general because I know it's done really well for you and I know you love writing it
1: Mm -hmm. um I released a book called Subterrestrial through an Amazon imprint in late 2015. And it, it just boom. So I was contacted by an editor at Kensington who said, I want you to write something for me. And I said, what do you want me to write? He said, I want you to write something that hasn't been written before. You know, a lot of, a lot of good that did me. Um, So we started talking about, um, he wanted something along the lines of, Oh, what was that in New Mexico? They had the mysterious humming sound for a while. Oh, yeah. yeah. To try to find something along those lines. And I came up with uh, the cymatics, the, the sound creating a visual patterns and kind of built the story around that. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't remember writing it truthfully.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, uh, I've, I've, I've had like, oh, where did you get the idea for this? Or I've had, uh, you know, what's the inspiration behind this character? And I'm like, what? <laughs>
1: hey, as a, as a working writer, you have to just crank, crank, crank.
0: one yeah. the
1: book. Then that's done. You move on to the next, and you got to keep, you got to keep moving. So
0: no, I know, I know. Cool. It's it, it's a it's a it's a tough process because mm-hmm. there's certain stories that you just you do you just fall in love with, but at the same yeah. time. You have to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I've been currently dealing with. Uh, yeah. editing two different books right now with my my own while writing the next one. And <laughs> it's like trying to remember the store like the stuff from the prior book because I just shut it down and right. move on to the next one because I, I you have to.
1: Yep.
0: And <laughs> so now I'm going back and editing those two books, uh, which is Anubis Plague, which is the first book in a series with uh Nick Thacker that I'm writing. And then uh, Jack Riley Four, which is the mm-hmm. Undying Kingdom, and now I'm writing Jack Riley Five, and I'm like, too many stories at once. Right. I just like, thank God they're both pretty much done. Like I'm over it, and now I'm just solely working on one book. But I, I'm in that weird uh, where I'm writing the new book while editing the old book still, and I'm kind of like, okay, this is it's right. kind of information so, overload.
1: You have to have that character growing at the same time. Yeah. So then you're looking back at this previous character is like, well, ha- what haven't I developed yet? Where and you're, you're in his head now and you're looking back at the past and it's just wh- what did I miss? What am I missing here? Because it seems like the character isn't right when you look back at the older stuff.
0: Yeah, no. And no, that's a good point to bring up, too, because um, the character development is very key. Like you can have almost like the James Bond character, right, where mm-hmm. every movie is essentially the same movie, right? It's it's James. It's the conflict. It's the girl. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of the hokey bad guy. uh, And then it's James coming out on top. Like that's like the traditional like methodology of the James Bond movies. And every movie is its own standalone thing. Right. So it's like, which is fine. And I like doing that now more than I used to. I always used to have every single book butt up against the next in a series because I wanted there to be that flow but Mm -hmm. then i also understood that you have more creative freedom if they are a little bit more standalone-y um like you can just boom over here boom over there There, you don't have to weave that path right right um but at the same time i love to develop the characters so it's Mm -hmm. like you you, finding that i guess that happy medium of developing the character properly because that's ultimately what the reader um enjoys most is the character at least in, Mm -hmm. in my opinion um or at least maybe in the genres that we write in but um
1: right otherwise they're thinking boy haven't i read this book already
0: yeah yeah and if it's the same character over and over again like i said it's just it's the cookie cut copy and paste story so yeah. i'm not that kind of writer i i i, I want. Some. yeah yeah i want to progress the the characters now the stories might not interlink 100 anymore but the characters do and you know mm-hmm. i think that's what's ultimately important i'm obviously you feel the same way because <laughs> you're you're nodding and going yep, yep. <laughs> you got it no yeah what about some of your um like some, some of them uh the more standalone stuff like i see you have chimera out there that's been doing really well um and you have uh oh you have the new series that you've started uh with the book contagion right yeah. mm-hmm. so what is what's going on with those because i know contagion's doing really well too and obviously with it being um a part of the new series for you um where, where is that headed
1: Uh, that's going to be a trilogy i initially started writing it for my editor at saint martin's he's like i need something that's horror horror's big right now i want something Mm -hmm. that's kind of a combination of the stand and swan song so i said well i can do that man that's right yeah Uh, and so i started writing that and then about halfway through we we got covid so Mm -hmm. he's like yeah we're not we're, we're not going to release any pandemic books right now so gonna... <laughs> oh come i got a on. hundred thousand words sitting right here um and and so eventually i just kind of i started making it less about the pandemic and more about the the hopi lore the native uh, the native indian um sorry native american the native american lore of um the, the apocalypse as foreseen by the hopi which is just really fascinating
0: Yeah, I've, uh, where did I read about that? Um, I think there was a book that mentioned some of it a little bit here and there. I can't remember the title, to be honest. Um, But yeah, no, uh, that was always an interesting, um, an interesting concept. So I, I, like, I've always was really big into more of like, uh, like the Mayan doomsday stuff and like that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's... yeah, yeah, I, which is it's cool, it's cool t- except when it didn't happen and then it was <laughs> right. Uh, what, what now?
1: <laughs> well, I'm hoping this time. It didn't happen. I was
0: happy, but mm-hmm. no, but yeah, no, that's kind of cool. So it went, it went in a little bit, of, and that's what that's what kind of happens sometimes. So, like in this case, I don't know. I mean, I'm just spitballing it. Like sometimes something like that can happen and it's a little bit of a positive, almost right? Oh, in yeah yeah so it, it it forced you to go in a different direction and in, in this case i i'd assume it was for the better and in, in you know, creatively for you so right oh, well that's, you
1: start talking right. something and then the next thing you know you're going on a wildly different tangent and then you gotta recover from that but it generally tends to be the, the best thing you write in that series and it leads you to where you ultimately want to go and where it's successful
0: yeah yeah and that was kind of like beginning of Beginning of pandemic-ish area, so late 2019, early 2020. Um, I realized that, like the tr- as as things were getting locked down and as people weren't going anywhere, um, I saw, and this was just kind of doing some research too with some other authors, a massive spike in the travel, adventure, historical, mm-hmm. like moving and shaking, bopping around the the, the planet type of stories. Yeah. And I was like, wow, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it does kind of make sense, you know, The like I I like you, you live vicariously through your characters, right? Like this is like, something that I would love to be a part of minus the apocalypse world ending. Right. Stuff. But, but that's kind of the idea. So it's like, if, if I enjoy it as much as I do writing it, then the readers got to enjoy it as well. And you know, as right. far as like, I don't travel a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do through my characters. So the people that weren't traveling <laughs> like Florida, we never got shut down too bad. Thank God. And then it was, yeah. you know, we were still very, very much, I guess, free, but, um, and you're we were, still alive. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And we are. Yeah. And, and, Hey, the, the, the job I had before doing this full time, we never shut down. We actually gained operation hours because our, we were so busy. Right. So it was a real pain in the butt. Everyone else is locked down. We're the only game in town, and people are going nuts. And it's like, ah, and-
1: exactly. I was in healthcare before this, so I'm glad I rejected yeah. that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, unfortunately was just a uh, pretty much kind of a retail grunt. I was just earning my check, going to work, coming That's home, writing, dealing with the you know, hanging out with the family, supporting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was, I was working in order to figure out a way to do this. So right. like, exactly. like, I'm not, I'm not putting a ton of effort into a typical career mm-hmm. uh, because I don't want a typical career. And it, you know, that's the mindset I'm in is I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to have a job. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to do well at it until I don't have to do it anymore.
1: Right. <laughs> you well, know? And that's writing until yeah. I started going back to school. And then it's like, well, now I can do it. But before yeah. it was just I was doing this the same thing you were and it just wasn't working.
0: No, yeah, yeah. And then you're writing part time and it's it's it worked. Like I got a bunch of don't get me wrong I got a bunch of books out in a short amount of time considering mm-hmm. all things considered you know twenty seven titles in eight years so not too shabby. <laughs> That's amazing. No, yeah, don't get me wrong. Like I had zero free time outside of normal you know normal living. It was just right. writing. But now I have more time so I can actually take, a, I can take a little more time mm-hmm. with the stories. And so I'm actually writing a little less, but to me, the stories are better because right. um, you just, you can, you're, you're not as, I guess, as rushed, you know, mentally. And like, you know, so I like being able to do that, but um, when you're at
1: home, the family sees you at home. So they like, it's yeah. like, you not at work anymore and you can come do all those things that they need to have done right then, right then.
0: It's yeah. That's the harder. Fun part about this. Thankfully, my kids are they're nine and five and they're mm-hmm. both in school together. More so my my youngest just started kindergarten. So this is the first year I've had both kids on the same schedule. And uh I am free from eight to two, Monday through Friday, unless there's a holiday or you know, some days I don't pick them up from school. And my mom will, or my cool. sister-in-law will, and so I can have more time at home, you know, working. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, when there's like days off or a kid's homesick from school and I'm here working and uh, I've had my daughter sitting on the couch, like my office, this is my back wall, but I face pocket doors in my den right and the other side is my living room and I'll keep them open just cause I'm here and I'll have my daughter sitting on the couch and I can see her peeking at me while I'm recording and like talking and I'm like, yeah, that's not a distraction at all. And thankfully they know not to come in here while I'm talking to somebody. Uh, but yeah, if I'm home in their home, it's definitely not work time. It's dad time. So right. I get it. Yeah,
1: and, and that's part of the the best part about doing this job is you have the family time too. Oh. You're not trying to work full time, write Full time, and do all of those things at the same time.
0: Yeah, that was. And people, so when I when I was telling people that I'm, you know, I'm putting in my two weeks, I'm not doing mm-hmm. this anymore. Blah, blah, blah. They're like, what? I'm like, no. It's a. It starts with being home more. Right, And whatever that involves, obviously working from home, but it's also just being present yeah. um, and missing out on a lot of stuff with my kids at their age already and not being thrilled about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, and I'm like, I'm allowed to feel that way. It's like, I don't want it. You know, like no, I'm sad. I'm emotional about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, but that's the decision that's driving me to do this is is I want to be home. I want to be present.
1: Right. I get to be um, a hockey dad, so I, I don't miss the games. I don't miss the practices. Unfortunately, hockey dad turns into just chauffeur, obviously, across the country now. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the most important part of my life. I love the writing, but, you know, eventually yeah. these kids will grow up and they'll be gone. And I'll miss some of the crazy, if you can hear those dogs barking at my yeah, no. Um
0: I'm I usually just... have a, I usually have a cat next to me wow. or my dog is has his head between my legs looking up at me like, please stop. <laughs> pet me right it no yeah yeah i'm the same way my my both my girls are in dance they're an ac- uh, acro um so uh my oldest is in four classes um yeah she's she's nine and her instructors are like she needs more because she's like yep. she's progressing really fast mm-hmm. um and we don't want to see her stall out and i'm like no right. it's i don't care it's just i also don't want to know, overload a nine-year-old um And my five-year-old's doing it now, and for her, it's it's just more hang out with the friends. It's fun; like she enjoys Mm -hmm. it. But my but my my oldest is like, like she sees like she's progressing, she's getting better. And I'm like, I wasn't there for like a lot of it; Mm -hmm. it was painful. So now I'm there for all of it. It's great. Like I'm at dance for four hours every Tuesday.
1: Mm -hmm. That's cool. (laughs) Learning some new moves.
0: Yeah. Meeting some parents. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's cool. It's cool. Cause I mean, uh, that, that's what I wanted and that's what I'm getting, you know? right? But, um, so with the stories, um, there's gotta be, uh, an inspiration. There's gotta be an influence where like I tell people over and over again, um, like this color is my life and I know it's dumb, but this is like, it's like the deserts of Egypt. It's like the action adventure. It's the archeology. span It's like that kind of stuff. Like I live and breathe that stuff when it comes to like entertainment stories. Um, what about you? Like, where did it come from for you to where you had the idea that maybe I can actually do this? I could write, but it's not just that it's, you've been influenced to do it from some medium.
1: Right. Uh, I would, when I was at the university of Colorado, maybe that was a long time ago. Now I had, a <laughs> I had an instructor say, Oh, you're, really good at this i think there's a future in this for you that's the you know that's the worst thing you can tell a kid because (laughs) then their life is ruined but um yeah i was initially like a stephen king ding koontz hack and you know i mean my first 10 novels i wrote were were unpublishable they're just not good but through the course of i mean somebody said it was a million words to get good at your craft it Uh, took king king yeah i believe that was a
0: stephen king quote
1: yeah. And so it took me that million to finally get to the point where I was publishable. And then as you start publishing books, you you're big on the research, too. I mean, the research is key. But sure. as you're researching stuff, you find out some stuff like hmm, that's that's really cool. And so then that gets tucked away in the back of your brain and that's percolating for however many books as you're just writing. And suddenly you have all these ideas going back there and you can just draw from them anytime you want. So.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that. that's kind of like me is, is I'll, I'll have like, I'll have like an idea for something,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I'm not necessarily ready to do anything with it yet. Whether I'm too backed up with other stuff or maybe the idea at the time feels too small. So, mm-hmm. you, but at the same time it's there. So it's like, I'm yellow ledger pad guy. I have them all over the place. And I just I'm literally jotting down stuff. Like I have notes in my phone too, but I prefer to handwrite them. Right. Um, just I just retain the knowledge better with handwritten stuff. But um but yeah, it's like I'll specifically for me, I guess, because I was like the movie geek. Um, I was like the movie nerd to the point to where I've had uh two other podcasts before this that were dedicated to movies. Right. Um and it's like I love like the behind the scenes stuff though. I like the making of it. I like seeing what goes into getting these stories together. So it's kind of like the writing, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's that part of it that I love as well. It's not just the finished product and being able to kind of, I guess, do it on my end is kind of a a way for me to do it. Like they do, you know, obviously not in Hollywood, but it's kind of the same, the same idea, right? It's the creative process of putting it together. And Mm I, I, was picky about a few movies. And my wife was like, why don't you try to write something like your creative is like, you go nuts with like camera angles and this is and that's. And like, she goes, you should be a Hollywood director, honestly, because you just, you, you see it differently than the average movie goer. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. But, right. uh, she's like, what about writing? You, you do early, right? Like I was doing arc reading for Jeremy Robinson and I was doing like beta stuff for him. And I met some authors through there and cu- got to know like, the people, not just the, the writer. Right. And she's like, they're normal people like you. And right. they probably had the same idea when you were this age, you know, I was like 29 mm-hmm. and right. 29 or 30, 29. I think she's just like, try to write a book. I'm like, all right. <laughs> it ended up being, Piece it actually a- ended up selling pretty well, but uh, you know, you look back on it, it probably mm-hmm. should based on the uh, quality of the work. But
1: <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs>
0: But uh, yeah, it was all because of just uh, you know you have something in you and you're just like I got to get this like I guess the creative part of it out, right? Um, and, and it ended up being books out of all things. Um, but well, for some, people,
1: they shouldn't publish that first one.
0: No, no, like I wanted it out there. Like I wanted mm-hmm. to be a published author, and I mean it was all self-pub, Amazon, you know, mm-hmm. KDP, and all that stuff, and i didn't care i'm like i just wanted it out i Mm -hmm. I started doing uh the book covers myself because i didn't have the money and or want to pay anybody oh you Uh, did great work no thank you
1: you great work
0: thank you yeah and that was just because i i didn't want to pay anybody because i found out how much like really good uh, right. Book cover artists can charge, and rightfully so. I mean, there's guys out there that are amazing. Like your covers, the the newer ones that you've put out recently, mm-hmm. even the 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 re-released covers that you've been doing. I mm-hmm. uh, have your page open while we're talking. Like right. your, bur- your new your burial ground cover, your extant covers, contagion. They're they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. So I mean, uh, it matters. It absolutely matters. Um, absolutely. You know say, ones I
1: did myself these these are professional these cost money but
0: <laughs> no i mean you you've done you've done a good job i mean don't get me wrong i mean like uh, I, that's why like with newer stuff with conundrum publishing that i have now uh we have um david barron's doing them who's a f- phenomenal author himself but he's a awesome uh cover artist cool so um if anybody needs any work david is for hire uh just i might have to
1: steal them from you
0: He's really good. He's really good. And he's a cool guy too. He's a really nice guy. Um, great, great writer in his own, in his own right as well, but he's a great cover artist. Um, but, um, so like anything else, like what about, um, uh, now, like as far as like, I know it's like, I know I'm not the only one to say this, but like as a, as a writer, I don't really have a lot of time to read anymore. (laughs) Um, but if you are reading, are there specific authors that you still kind of like veer towards?
1: Um, I wasn't able to set aside reading time and exercise time. So I kind of combined them. I do the treadmill every day and, and, and I read and I walk fast. Um, so that's been just discovering I could do that just has made it awesome for me. So I can actually get the reading, get the exercise. I'm not some slob sitting at my desk all day. Yeah. There are, there's some, I always read the James Lee Burke when it comes out. I mean, he's just, he's an amazing writer. Uh, I love John Connolly, uh, James mm-hmm. Rollins, Preston yep. Child. Um, I used to love Lee Child until he retired. Um, those are kind of my my go to. Michael Marshall. Um, those are kind of my go tos. Uh, recently, I have kind of been going down a, a fantasy wormhole. I don't know. Uh, Interesting. Why? But it, it's great to read outside the genre too. Um, mm-hmm. Like, oh. I read Pierce Brown, Pierce Brown, red rising. Oh Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. a Phenomenal series. Um, oh, amazing. And then um, I'm blanking on his name now.
0: I have one for you if you haven't gotten there. And the, okay. it, the, the best part is, is specifically if you're into um, audiobooks, mm-hmm. um, is, so we've talked to Jeremy Robinson. So the only reason I bring this up is because it was one of the first books I read of his, and it was called Antarctos rising. Right. Um, and, An amazing, amazing, amazing book. More sci-fi fantasy, but he brings in so much of like a historical um, aspect, especially depth. the depth of research is just insane that he did for this series. And what was really great about it is is it brings in a lot of the biblical um, uh, uh, themes. So like uh, the Nephilim, for instance, you know, the Mm -hmm. demon seed. And it was like, man, reading this book and the way that he brought in like prehistoric um science with like theologic research with action adventure with uh a lot of like military aspect uh you know, I was like the different genres that got baked into that series and all of the audiobooks are done by RC Bray mm-hmm. which is like period like art you see RC attached you're like yeah it's probably gonna be pretty good <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh that story with RC's performance was Bob just nailed the audio stuff and that's a, that's more fantasy than anything else. And I was shocked at how much I loved it. Um, right. cause I usually am more like the James Rollins type where it's more action thriller, but you know, right. a little bit of sci-fi baked in history, baked in. Um, but going that route with a little more of the fantasy, I was, I was probably one of my favorite series that I've ever, I've read it several times and I've gone through the audio several times. Gotcha. Um, and then uh, recently i'm going to start i'm going to start reading is a uh, lost in time from ag riddle uh, the new one that he just released right. which is going nuts right now i right uh tracking it cuz i'm dumb like that i want to see what these guys pull in as far as numbers <laughs>
1: cuz you do man he's, he's
0: he's kind of what every re- or author should dream to be is right. is is what he can what he can do and he's super nice guy oh, um but uh, yeah, um, I don't know. Did, did you think of the fantasy series while I was going off on my tangent?
1: Yeah, Jay Kristoff, Nevernight.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I, you know what? I know the name. I've seen it. Um, yeah, Nevernight. he's a great writer. Okay. Great writer, okay. No, mm-hmm. I'll have to check it out. I've seen it. Um, there's just a million other things that I need to uh, consume first while also trying to write. So I know. It's just, I, I unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, there's so many good books out there. I've just, I'm probably yeah. never going to get to and it's disheartening. But um. What about, um, so like the process of writing for you, um, Mm -hmm. when you get the idea for a new story, like, uh, I always bring up that I'm, I'm, I'm a visual guy, so I'll see a picture of like a gorgeous landscape and go, wow, where is that? And then I'll find out where it is. And I'm like, I want to write in that, like, that's the, where the, the undying kingdom, which is the fourth Jack Riley book in my series. Um, I saw this awesome image of what ended up being Shangri-La like concept image. And I'm like, wow, that's gorgeous. I'm like, that would be cool. I'm like, wow, I've never, I've never had a story in like the Himalayas, like in Nepal, Tibet, like that area. I'm like, I mean, all I see is like how gorgeous it is and how peaceful it is and you know, how just like serene. And I'm like, huh. So then, you know, you go down that Google rabbit hole for that area. And I like to bring in the history, the mythology, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the folklore of the area, just anything I can, that's just going to make that story like, just like explode with like information, but not in like a super heady kind of way. Um, But I I don't know about you, like where does it start for you? Like, is it kind of like that or is it kind of something else?
1: I, I think I come up with the early seed of the final story, and it just it kind of sits in my head for a while until it comes toward the forefront and it starts putting itself together and then from there i can really start the research and i mean google earth is the most fantastic invention ever i mean you can look at anywhere on the planet um, yep. and you know then you start researching the the location like you said the the history the um, the folklore everything about it and then you can kind of start fitting in the characters and Well, this is somebody who'd be there. This is somebody who could bring something unique to the story. This is somebody who'd know something, um, something important at the right time. This is somebody who'd be able to do the physical work when they get in trouble. And you start kind of putting together all these different pieces and fitting them into the right place at the right time. And next thing you know, you're bringing in elements that you didn't even foresee initially.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of like, uh, that's going to actually steer to the, the next question I have for you. But at, going back to um, Contagion with the mm-hmm. the Hopi aspect of it, yeah, was that in the earlier drafts of it? Or was that something you added later after the book it, was, it was on pause for a bit. It
1: okay. just wasn't really as...
0: As central to it, I guess? Exactly. Okay. Um,
1: it it plays more into the end game in the third book. It was just kind of, I had some really great characters I wanted, um, who were Hopi who could kind of see the world changing around them and fit it into their prophecies. Gotcha. Uh, but it really turns into a fulfillment of that prophecy in in, in the third book where okay they really just save the people who need to be saved and the bad guys don't make
0: it. Yeah, no, I was... Yeah, I was curious about that because that's very much like that research rabbit hole is going into like the the Native American kind of the folklore mythologies and stuff. So I wasn't sure if that was uh, like the initial uh, setup of that. Like for me, it was... uh, With Jack, I placed him in Wyoming because originally the first book in the series was supposed to take place in Wyoming, but... Uh, which ended up being the second book in the series, the Roosevelt conspiracy around mm-hmm. the mythology I built around Devil's Tower. Um, so mi- Wyoming was just, well, how does why is Jack in Wyoming? Well, he just lives there.
1: Right. Okay, <laughs> there's no well, well, reason to be there.
0: Yeah. What does he do? I'm like, well, there's nothing to do in Wyoming. So let me think. Uh, fine. He's a he's a park ranger. He's a Yellowstone <laughs> ranger. Fine. Because he was a military guy. Blah blah blah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. It, it works. It works. But I'm like, but then what do you do? You start going down that research rabbit hole in the area and you realize like predominantly the people in the area are Lakotan Sioux right. uh, Native American. So his best friend and his mentor is a native Lakotan uh, who kind of brought him along as a ranger. And then I bring in another Lakotan who is uh bull is his name. I bring in his, uh, his nephew Hawk. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I, so it's like, all of it just because I dropped Jack in right. Cody, Wyoming.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: was just like, okay, I'm like, where Yellowstone? What's a city outside of Yellowstone? Cody. Oh, I think <laughs> I know what Cody is. And then you research Cody. Oh, Buffalo Bill. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Bill Cody. I'm like, all right, cool. He lives in Cody, Wyoming. <laughs>
1: and then you learn way too much about it.
0: And you learn way too much about Cody, Wyoming, and it's eleven thousand people that live there. Uh, right,
1: and one of them reads your book <laughs> and tells to tell you how terrible you did giving up all the details about their place when it actually yeah. it's a Coke machine outside the diner, not a Pepsi. You know. <laughs> think- yeah.
0: Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I did that in uh, the second Dead Moon book in my series, and the entire book takes place within a twenty-five minute drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire book takes place because it doesn't in a post-apocalyptic world, 25 minute drives don't exist. right? Uh, so like from Lake Worth Beach to kind of around where I live, it's about <laughs> 20, 25 minutes. And from start to finish, that is first chapter, last chapter, and all of the chaos in between. But it is my entire, where I've lived my entire life in this part of right. South Florida is that book. So it was unbelievably great to just ab- absolutely and utterly destroy my hometown. <laughs> right. Um, right. and I think that's like a goal for a lot of us. That, that's kind of,
1: yeah, that's the thing. I can't tell you how many books I've like given directions to my house in. And I was like, I wonder if somebody's going to take these literally. Cause like, there it is. Yeah. yeah. Tell you how no. to get to my house too. And it's just weird stuff.
0: Yeah, no, that, that, that is un- unfortunate, especially when you, cause I love to, to, to pull in stuff like you, you have, I mean, where you pulling stuff from your, from your childhood or your, your current state. So like living in South Florida, a lot of my characters are from here. So it's mm-hmm. like, it just, and they went to the same high school I went to. So it's like, because why not? It's like they're, they're one guy played for f- football team. The other guy played for the baseball team. They both went to the, you know, it mm-hmm. just, I'm like, I want to pull in that stuff from, from. It's authentic. From, yeah, it is. It really is. And it, it's just, it's fun too, because then you'll have some readers that know you that are reading this going, oh, that's cool. You right. know? Well, other readers have no idea what the hell you're talking about. So it's <laughs> <laughs> which probably, yeah, but uh, so as far as your research, um, like, like uh, there's the the two very very distinct. Uber Outliner writes the book before he writes the book, and then there's the Panzer writes from the seat of their pants, 100% organic. Um, I like to identify myself kind of somewhere in the middle, probably leaning a little bit more towards Pancer, just a touch. I like the organic feel of writing the story and developing it as it goes. That was kind of my question going back to like the Hopi thing was like, I don't know. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten like a third of the way through the book and said, to hell with it. We're going this way. This is better. And I'm completely okay with that. And I know some readers or authors that have like chapter by chapter outline and they don't deviate. And while it's fine and I do know it, it's much quicker to write a book that way because you have like a target in every chapter to go through. You don't have to think as much, I guess. But uh, I don't know, I just like the way of the the organic feel. I guess I feel more uh, creative, more uh, accomplished as I'm like writing the book. Um, yeah. What about you?
1: I, I think I fall somewhere in the middle too, maybe a little more toward the outliner in my old age here. Um, I have a pretty good idea of the beats of the story where I wanna get by the end of the first act, by the end of the second, end of the third. Um, there are certain scenes that I really want to incorporate, and I'll try to keep those. But otherwise, it's got to be the characters directing the course of the story. I mean, they need to make decisions that aren't forced. And so if if I'm writing and I get to a point where I, I want the character to go a certain way, but there's really no logical reason for them to do that, I have to abandon that and just run with what the characters would do and then uh, follow that story from there. So, it's like you said, it's it's a largely organic process with um, kind of a skeleton built beneath it.
0: Yeah. Like, I'll research, like, you know, I have notes everywhere. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. like I'm not researching, you know, windows are all, oh, I got God knows how many tabs open while I'm writing a book. Right. But, um, but it's like the story itself. Like, when I open my Word doc and I'm writing, it's like two, three, four chapters ahead. I'll have like an idea of like, as i switch P, you know pov depending on the series depending on you know that just the timing in the book of it um i'll have an idea of where i want to go and then but as i'm writing that chapter and as dialogue opens up and as the scenery around that's the one thing is with at least the genre that i mm-hmm. like keep myself in it's very very much based on the landscape on the scenery on the location that they're in because a lot of it's very remote Or, um, or it's super metropolitan and very busy. And there's like a lot of stuff that gets in the way just because that's naturally what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like the, the landscape definitely, at least for me kind of drives the story in a way, because it's like point A to point B might be four and a half hours away. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, you could just drop your character from one location to the next, but I want to know what happened in that four and a half hours. Not Mm -hmm. saying I'm going to script the four and a half hours out, But like, what happened? Was there anything cool along the way? And then I'll Google Earth it and see, oh, wow, that's kind of neat. That's kind of cool. I'm like, well, if I think it's neat and cool, won't the reader? So I'm like, I kind of want to include some of that. So it's like, it's like, that's where, like, that's where that, that the landscape kind of directs the story. And I I found some amazing places to, to include in some of my, in my books, just because I was trying to figure out point A to point B. And I realized there was a point a and a half right. right in the middle that was really wow. cool and i'm like well that's another two and a half three chapters of story because that location's neat
1: <laughs> right exactly yeah and you never know what they'll find when they get there and the characters might just go in a completely different direction from the one you initially plotted
0: oh yeah and that's absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. yeah um so this was uh this is actually kind of cool so you and i have actually talked quite a bit uh through messenger and. Mm-hmm mostly about some of the more brutal hardcore and like death metal. Uh Like we, that it's, it's a fun conversation with the two of us whenever there's like new bands that we discover or, (laughs) or rediscover like a new album coming out from a, maybe an older band. And, um, I always found that kind of cool. Like I I would post something about, uh, oh man, this is like some of the most brutal chuggy music ever. And you'll comment on it down below. And I'm like, all right, cool. I I got another guy to share this with, but, uh, but uh, without going like too deep into that, because God knows most people aren't going to know the band that we're going to talk about. Right. Um, but uh, I, I always find it fascinating because it, it's like I'll like show people most of the music I listen to and they're hmm. like, what?
1: <laughs> I can't even read <laughs> that name.
0: I, I can't read the name. It looks like it looks like a cat just clawed up the side of my couch. Yep. <laughs> the vertical, you know, the people need to google like death metal names and they'll figure it out
1: right. but well, um somewhere probably when i was just about to turn 30 that it said most people never buy a new album like 90 percent of new people never buy a new album after age 30 i thought well i don't want that to be me you know so yeah that, that's dumb they're not
0: wrong i mean they're not it, wrong
1: it, but when you're in your 30s you're not really hanging out with music people anymore you know so you kind of have to figure it out on your own and sure eventually you end up I don't know. In my case, just getting harder and harder and harder by the year. And so now I I'm listening to 17, 18 year olds playing music. And it's like, I mean, same age as my kids practically. And it, it, it's a different thing. And it's it's a lot of fun, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've been I've been listening to this stuff. Oh man. Uh specifically like the underground stuff, like not not like not like uh like i mean i grew up listening in pantera and slayer right. and like that kind of stuff mostly i would say probably pantera was like the first like major major metal band that i was like um like super deep into when i was younger but you know i was getting into some of this stuff back in early high school, like I was probably 14 or 15 and discovering some of these bands. And some of them I still listen to to this day. And even the albums, I mean, I'm still listening to 20, 25 year old albums in in this genre of music. Mm -hmm. And um, I just find it more, I find it more fulfilling, I guess. Uh, There's like more, there's more creativity to it. And that's also as a former drummer, I was in a drummer in a band for six years. And Mm -hmm. it's like, The technical side of a lot of the music, I just appreciate the hell out of. Right. Because we played in a punk rock and roll band and it was fun. It was amazing. Like major influences were like Dropkick Murphys, the Ramones, like very, very, very straightforward punk, just like more like just like happy-go-lucky beats, like really like Sway. Uh, The Bouncing Souls is another big influence from us Mm -hmm. that we had back in the day. Uh, Another phenomenal band that's like, God, I think they're almost 40. Um,
1: That old, huh? (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh 35 maybe i think they were like early 80s maybe is when they got started but uh i mean i've been listening to social distortion since i can remember and they got started in 79 i mean their whole theme is gambling with souls in 79 so i mean and they are a punk rock and roll like old school Mm-hmm. Uh, people know social distortion. If you just pull up their greatest hits, they're going to be like, wow, I know these guys and these guys have been around forever, <laughs> but you know, but I guess just as the drummer that could never play that kind of stuff, just cause it's like mind boggling how good some of these guys are. Right. Um, man, you get into some of the technical aspect of some of these metal bands and you're just like blown away. Like some of the new ones are, they're not newer, but they're newer on like the popular scene is like, uh, I know, you know, is, uh, like Lorna shore, uh, you get into like some of there, and you go down the Lorna Shore rabbit hole, and you're just like, I don't. I'm glad I'm not a musician. I would quit. <laughs> right. I would quit after watching these guys play because of just how That's amazing phenomenal. they are. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fun. I just think the music is just fun. Yeah. Um, like and and the gutturals and the high blackened screeches and just the chugging breakdowns and just a. Some of them have these awesome massive like a uh, Shadow of Intent and Lorna Shore both have these like massive symphonics in the background. And Uh the shadow of intent is the name of a ship from halo three. And that's where they got the theme of their music was those. uh, Like in the background of their like brutal music. Mm -hmm. And Lorna shore kind of does the same thing. So you get these awesome, like symphonies in the background with these brutal songs. And you're just like, your skin starts to crawl and you're just like, man, (laughs) I just, you don't get that with any other music.
1: No, it's just so complex. And there's so many things going on at the same time. And that's what I like about it. When you have the, I mean, people—they hear the the Cookie Monster growls, and that's all they can hear. But these are guys who are actually, you know, playing their windpipes like instruments, and it's oh yeah, it's amazing when you start really looking at it from, like you said, the technical point of view.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Probably the first tech metal was uh, Beneath the Massacre, uh, another phenomenal name, I might say so myself. <laughs> uh, they're a Canadian metal band. They're freaking lights out. But uh, that was one that I got into when I was younger, and. Uh, still listen to to this day I love those guys they're, they're like the first like what meter is this in this isn't in one two three four what, what is is that a seven like what is I'm trying to figure out I'm like I can't bounce my leg to this it's, yeah. like, there's it, it's all in odd time signatures and stuff but I, I love it I just think it's it's great now I'm getting into like the, the instrumental like prog bands um, okay. so like uh, Pliny is a big one for me uh, there's uh, Polyphia there's Vitalism, which is a cool metal band from Brazil. Uh, but it's all no vocals. It's just instrumental. And they're all like very all over the place with like time signatures, animals as leaders. Uh, and it's great to write to because there's no vocals. So right. it's just this unbelievably intense, complex music. And it's, it's, it's neat because there's no like consistent time signature. So I never get like lulled. Uh, buy it. I'm always like on my the edge of my seat listening to it while I'm working. So I, it's kind of neat. Um, but uh, I'm also a big movie score guy. So I listen to a lot of just movie scores, gotcha. um, like the classic movie scores. But um, so outside, uh, obviously, we've been talking, we're both very, very into um, our you know family outside of this yep. uh, work. But um, uh, anything else that you uh, kind of partake in outside of that as far as a little bit of a hobby?
1: Uh, between... The writing and the driving for hockey and the cooking, cleaning, laundry, shopping, all that stuff. There's not a whole lot of time left over. Um,
0: I get it. Yep.
1: So occasionally I, I read books. book. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I need to start doing that more. I've, I've put off a lot of reading as really? time has gone by. Mm-hmm. Um, I really need to start reading more regularly. Mm-hmm because like I said, there's so many good books out there. I mean, especially now I haven't really dove into anything in so long that it's like, I got a ton to choose from. I'm not waiting for any new series. I'm, I'm actually way behind on most of them. So I have a lot a lot to choose from.
1: Right. Oh yeah. And you know, you realize that, you know, most of these major authors, you're big fandom, whatnot, they have a new book every year. And then you think you're keeping on top of it. Next thing you know, it's like, I'm three books behind. Has it really been three years since I got to that person? But
0: yeah, yeah. Unless you're an Ernest Dempsey fan like I am, and he writes like six a year, and then you're like, "Wow, I'm 19 books behind." Right. <laughs> Thanks, right. Ernie. I appreciate that, bud. Uh, you know, Jeremy. I mean, all, all of my favorite. Um, I guess they're considered indie authors. Still, they're just they're they're bigger than that to me. So it's like I I don't know what to call them, but they are because they're all self-pubbed, right. Um, but um, uh, it's like Ag Riddle. I mean, a lot of his stuff, you know. Jerry, he's it's it's his stuff, and it's like I mean, technically he's a self-pubbed author, but I'm like, mm-hmm. it's just it's a different world, you know. Self-pub, it was always the in, the small indie guys, right? And now it's it's a completely different part of the industry. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite amazing. Um, that's why, like with Conundrum now, now I'm doing their um, managing editor now, if I had mm-hmm. a title, you know, doing uh, a lot of editing on the side for other readers. It's actually kind of mm-hmm. cool to kind of dive into their stories. Um, even if they're not stories that I would particularly, uh, choose to read, it's kind of neat to be able to dive into their work, right. uh, as a part of my job now, um, which is kind of cool. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it, it's kind of keeps me into the world outside of my keyboard, I guess. <laughs> but, um, well, how do those
1: authors take your criticism or your changes?
0: Uh, usually they're pretty cool about it because the good news is, um, that's the one thing with our industry, right? Is like, I put my, like, just, this is just me. Mm -hmm. Um, I go through a book probably about seven times before release from first draft to last edit. Um, and people are like, what? I'm like, no, it's at least my process. It's, it's first draft as good as I can get it, but I'm not going to stop to fix things because Getting the story out is the hardest thing. Second draft is fixing everything and continuity and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um third, or in this case, it's usually the first edit, is um me pretty much reading through the book a third time, but now focusing on the fixings. Right. Uh not just the story, but grammatic, you know, grammar, all that stuff, sentence structure, whatever. And then fourth, it's uh, I use uh, grammarly like a lot of people do now. Yeah um once that goes through which is like super dense which i do every time i open grammarly i'm like putting my head down going oh my god (laughs) that's like this i'm like why do i feel like i'm not getting better at this it finds so much stuff i'm like it's also just super picky and it doesn't understand like nuance with like fiction um and and in action adventure which is supposed to flow a little quicker a little faster so like structure isn't always i guess perfect right but um then I put it through uh, Pro Writing Aid, which is another awesome AI program. Um, yeah, I, I use both. I do Grammarly and then I do Pro Writing Aid. And then once I'm done with Pro Writing Aid, I send it off to a couple of early reader proofreaders, mm-hmm. get their edits back. So by the time I get their edits back, it's like seven times I've gone through the book. And that's one reason why I just want to <laughs> get, it, get, right. get it published and good. I'm like, I'm so sick to death of this story.
1: <laughs> yep. And even then, it's not perfect.
0: No, no, it's not, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing is you you get blind to the story after Mm -hmm. going through it so many times because you already know what happens. You're not really focusing on the words anymore Right (laughs) on the physical words. You're just Mm -hmm. thinking ahead to the story. And but that's like that's a part of it. Right. It's like you're doing all this stuff on your own now. So it's it's great because Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be doing this unless KDP existed at the time. Right. You know, and Mm -hmm. and like the self-publishing stuff. I mean, that's how I got started. And Mm -hmm. You know, now everything i write is through s- some sort of publisher but mm-hmm. um it's you know now i'm publishing my own stuff through conundrum but um like my jack riley series is signed through severed press out of australia and um you know I, funny enough book four undying kingdom on pre-order today
1: Even though this,
0: interview, <laughs> right. this interview won't come out for a little but yeah <laughs> it's uh, as of today so yay
1: yeah, i'm right. done <laughs> Yeah, Watching those rankings,
0: yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Oh, God, I hate doing that. <laughs> I hate doing that, uh,
1: that's but, the worst part. And then, yeah, that- well,
0: thankfully, this series has gotten a lot of attention. Although, this is going to be the I haven't had a book come out for 17 months, so wow. it's been a little bit of a dry spell for me. And uh, <laughs> I will blame uh, the 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 corona on that. Yeah. Uh, I uh got into a really really awful, awful mental funk for a little while. I think. Yeah, I was working full time and then working like 50, 60 hours a week in retail and then trying to write. And then kids, neither kid was in school for a year and a half. Um, It was just. And what schooling they
1: were getting was garbage. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was, uh, I got into, and this was during me trying to write um, Anubis Plague with Nick. Mm -hmm. And Nick was, you know, he's, he's been so cool with it. And, you know, now that we work together and stuff, it's been great. I mean, we work together now because we started writing together Mm -hmm. Um, and it's been great. He's been so good with it because he was going through the same thing. He moved four times in three years. Wow. Twice in Hawaii.
1: (laughs) I could live in Hawaii. That'd be fine.
0: So he moved from point A to another island. Mm -hmm. Three months later, left the second island. Mm -hmm. moved to Colorado yeah uh, and then eventually moved from Colorado to his permanent residence in Colorado once everything got situated so there was like four homes within like
1: right
0: I was like dude he's like yeah talk about not writing for a while
1: (laughs) interestingly that's the his neighborhood where he ended up is where I grew up
0: oh that's cool yeah. yeah, it's cool. Yeah, he's in uh Colorado Springs right now, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I I spent a little time in Colorado as a kid, just uh, vacations and stuff. So I mean, mm-hmm. I, I love the area. We did a lot over in uh, uh we went up to Pikes Peak. We did uh, was mm-hmm. Vale? Um, we did a few of the a few of the trips. Uh, even though it wasn't in Colorado, we river rafted down the Colorado River that was okay. in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did some some of the western stuff in that area, and I love the area. I think it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah no yeah that that's there's like that's that's like me down here it's like mm-hmm. i grew up down here and i've been here so it's like i'm i'm ready to leave but i know once i do if i do mm-hmm. uh it's gonna be kind of one of those things where like and what's dumb is i've been here my whole life so like for me the beach means nothing i don't, right. I don't right. care i'm i'm hot and sweaty all the time i <laughs> it's like for me it's like the beach it's just an extension of life so i'm like right i miss the mountains i miss the trees i miss like the nothing as far as like just the peace. And it's like, I, that's what I want. I want to go the other direction. <laughs> so. and
1: Well, we but, have, uh, mountains and we kind of just, it's like the beach for you. It's like, yep, they're mountains. That's what they are. You want to yeah. wait a line of traffic with Californians drive up into them, have fun with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> especially when there's like some sort of resort or something near you, especially like in Colorado and you're like, people can't drive in rain in Florida. Yeah when they don't live here, like I can drive in rain Mm because I'm used to it, but when it gets cold and it gets icy,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be the guy that's screwing it up for the, for the locals.
1: Right. When I was a kid, you could go up and go skiing. You know, you spend 35 bucks on a day pass. You can drive up there in a couple hours, drive back down that night. Now it's, it's bumper to bumper up into the mountains every time. Yeah. I mean, all through the winter, all through the summer, it's just sad how the, State has gone, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. It it is, it is. But I think, well, it's like Florida now. I mean, everybody and their mother's moving here. So Mm -hmm. I'm getting that uh, influx. Like the the city I live in, Wellington, where I live, um, I remember when it was like it was Wellington, then it became the village of Wellington because it got big enough. I was like wow we're a village now this is cool, cool. you know but we always hovered around like 20,000 ish 30 yeah. th- I mean we're up to like 50,000 people now and it's like we're the number 2 destination in the country for equestrian for like polo and horse jumping and stuff and and dressage and that and I'm like like we have like there's a lot of people like Tommy Lee Jones rides out here really? uh, th- there's a ton of people that ride out here like like big names that have horses and and like they own places it's like massive out here and it's so weird because wellington's not big (laughs) and and now it is it is but it it's it's that's it there's nowhere to build it it's it's we're butted up on the western part of west palm beach and to the west of us is is like the everglades and like the swamps and like the farms Mm -hmm. so it's like you can't get any further west and there's nowhere to build north south or east so it's like people just keep jamming into this yep. small town and i'm like man it ain't my small town no more <laughs> you know what i mean yep i get it i get it but um so um what if it could be more than one but um a reader that might not have read something from you or maybe has not read something new from you in a bit um okay. what what book would you recommend whether it's first part of a new series new standalone something like what book would you recommend somebody pick up from you like where where would be like the best? Hey, Michael McBride book. Here you go. Like right. th- this, you know, because we all kind of go off in these little paths, mm-hmm. these little, you know, deviations that might not be like a Matt James book, or, right? You know, but like
1: Chimera, Chimera is a good place to start. It's a standalone, so you either, I mean, you like it or you don't. Uh, it's okay. it's more representative of the the science I dig into, sure. um, the the adventure, the ultimate massacre that occurs inevitably. Um,
0: And obviously the splicing of two different species, Chimera.
1: Yes. Um, Okay. And then um, the unit 51 is great if you're looking for more of adventure and more um, digging into secrets and conspiracies and whatnot. That's that's a pretty good place if you're up for a three book run. Um,
0: And 51 meaning it's going to have more like, Tradition, I guess, more like alien type yeah, it's, it's, of background, it's alien stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I love that kind of stuff, so for me, it's no big deal, but uh, just you know, it, again, a lot of people like zombies. Oh, I love zombies, I'll read anything that's zombie related. Cool. Well, yeah. in this case, alien, I, I kind of feel like that's a that's kind of gotten lost. That, really?
1: It's that. more ancient alien than great little green men and saucers alien, but it's, no,
0: yeah, but it, it, it's kind of like there's more like monsters now and mm-hmm. like creatures which is fine but at the same time i'm like i don't see a lot with aliens anymore and mm-hmm. i'm just i'm just thinking about that it's like n- not necessarily like the typical gray alien or the little green men but just in general like mm-hmm. so yeah i'm just thinking about that thinking out loud right now mike see
1: uh, yeah, yeah, there you go or if you <laughs> want to read a more traditional story how about uh, the extinction agenda by michael lawrence it's and michael lawrence yep about they deliberately released plague in the pharmaceutical companies looking to make money on it. Can you believe the publisher pulled the support for that during the pandemic?
0: Yeah. I was about to say, are you sure it's a fictional tale?
1: I wrote it in 2013, so I. I yeah. yeah. They publisher was really excited. They gave me an enormous advance and were ready to do a lot of promotion for it. Then COVID and Pfizer, and no more. So. Wow. Bad timing.
0: Yeah, that's oof. Mm-hmm. That's so is that something that you would um reacquire the rights to and just do yourself?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I absolutely I have it plotted out to 13 books.
0: Wow. So yeah. yeah. And will that that'll be under the Michael McBride name or are you gonna keep that under Michael Lawrence?
1: Once the rights revert, I'm going to put it under my name. Maybe okay. co-author it with Michael Lawrence, just so it's not lost in the translation.
0: Sure. Yeah, uh, Jeremy did that. He had three. He had three names at one point: uh, Jeremy Ruffin, yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, Jeremiah Knight, and um, Jeremy Bishop.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, Jeremy Bishop actually wrote some of the, my favorite stories from Jeremy. Funny oh. enough, his sci-fi horror stuff, his Refuge series, was unbelievable. If you want that kind of interdimensional like horror string theory. It's all based up in New Hampshire and refuge, New Hampshire, which is just a mm-hmm. uh, town that he created. Uh, cool. There's yeah. Uh, I was thinking of, see that I funny enough, I've had this conversation with two other people now when it comes mm-hmm. to when you deviate to a genre that is so far outside your norm, mm-hmm. what practice would you recommend? And I know in this case you have a different pen name, yeah. Um uh so uh RL Kennedy who I talked to recently she uh, Randy is her name Randy Lee Kennedy she writes under Randy Lee Kennedy and she started writing with um soft romance right. and then uh she was challenged to write something more thrilling uh by an author friend of hers who also happened to write post apocalyptic mm-hmm. so she read a few books and was like wow I really like this stuff and I like the fact that some of these books actually have a little bit of a love story based into it and I'm like, no, they, they do. Cause there's like relationships and stuff. And depending on the story, the theme you're going for. So she started writing the underground series, which has actually done really well, published by Conundrum. Right. So that out there, but, uh, she's actually done really well with it. And, uh, but she's writing under RL Kennedy cause she goes, this is not soft romance, you know? I mean, right. um, and then, uh. Another author friend of mine, I won't say because he's he's not 100% committed to it yet. Uh, he's thinking about writing more. He writes more like monster and creature feature books. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was thinking about writing more traditional action thrillers, you know, spy thrillers, assassin thrillers, that kind of stuff. And it, some of the ideas that he's pitched has ha, sounded amazing. And I'm like, man, yeah. these sound great. As the publisher or as a publisher, mm-hmm. I, I would be worried about confusing your audience.
1: Yeah, the audience and, doesn't
0: think it well if you step outside your... Get yeah,
1: same. There. you'll get a lot of reviews of is this the same person? Where's yep. the creature? Where's this? Where's that?
0: And yep, yep. And uh, his he had already thought about publishing it under mm-hmm. uh, a different name, so I, I think he's going to go through that route, which would be great because I think the, the books will sell well, um, if marketed properly. But um, mm-hmm. I've done the same thing, like, I've gone outside of my um, my action adventure, I guess, the expectations from my readers, um. Mm-hmm. And I've had a few books sell pretty well outside of that. They, they nothing has sold as well, uh, in, at least in my case, as the Jack Riley books. Right. But um, I, it's like, I have so many stories I want to tell. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a couple of sci-fi horror uh, stories mm-hmm. that I want to tell, and like, I, I did one with Sub Zero, and it actually sold really well. Um, actually sold really well. But it that was a Severed Press uh, release, and
1: right. that's what
0: they specialize in. Right. So, um, I'm not like that's fine, but I, I just like. I'm always afraid to jump into that other lateral move to a different genre. And then it just be an utter waste of time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, our are our greatest asset. I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able yeah. to do it without them.
0: And I enjoy the hell out of writing it. So it's like, it, it's not like I'm writing this kind of, I don't have a giant ass map on my wall because it's like, I like this stuff. I please. turn around and just stare at it and just like, like I enjoy this. Like, right color look at the color on my wall who who paints their wall graham cracker brown you know (laughs) my wife's like oh my god when she when she's when she saw the color i'm like no i have a very specific plan for this room (laughs) so yeah i enjoy it so i write i write i write what i love so it's like and and thankfully the readers have told me that they're like i can absolutely tell you're a fan of what you write because it's just you pour so much into it i'm like Mm -hmm. no yeah i do i love i absolutely love it and thankfully there's an umpteen amount of um you know research out there that i can you know that i can get into i'm never going to run out of an, a story idea at least i don't hope i hope i
1: don't yeah. I, that would you get to write off all your investments in research materials i mean it's
0: yeah. i I'm trying to think when this would release yeah it'll release by then probably uh yeah i will be doing a research trip to uh disney um soon with um uh, another with another awesome author. Uh, actually I'll be drinking around the world with Ernest Dempsey. So, uh, <laughs> right on. it's going to be great. Him and I have wanted to get together for a long time and he comes down every year for a food and wine festival. And, mm-hmm. uh, we have annual passes. So we're up there two, three, four times a year, mm-hmm. uh, mostly for all the food festivals. Right. And, uh, he, um, I'm like, when are you going? He gave me the dates and I'm like, I'll be there. <laughs> He's like, sweet. <laughs> it's like, all right.
1: My wife it's and like, young have season passes too. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I love it. Uh, I, uh, we go up for the food festivals. I mean, I don't know, honestly, I don't know if we're going to extend our passes after this year just because it's getting so ridiculously expensive. Okay. Um, like when we first started, it was like 300 and something dollars a year for an mm-hmm. annual pass per person. And now it's like seven. Yeah. And it's like, uh, like if you, if we go twice a year, it's cheaper than the annual pass now. So I'm right. like, right. It, it doesn't, unless you're going four or five times a year, which we just don't anymore. It's just it's too hard with kids in school and stuff. So, but um, anyways, <laughs> that's what we talk about. And inevitably, bring up some sort of food and wine festival or Disney trip. But yep. um, so, can you give me a recommendation not of yours? Something that you would like the reader to enjoy. Um, whether it's something completely off, you know, like one of the fantasy series you've been reading, or maybe something that inspired you as a author.
1: I think if you're out there and you're looking to become an author and you want to see someone who can really, really write, you need to go look at James Lee Burke or John Connolly. These guys are just, they're wordsmiths, just amazing, phenomenal writers who can just make their characters sing. Um, For plotting, for fun, go with uh, James Rollins. He's always great. And uh, Preston Child, you want to really learn about your craft. Um, You got to do a lot of not reading, a lot of nonfiction um, from authors and also from just the learning perspective, learn everything you can about what you're going to write. Because there will always be someone who knows more and that person is going to review. So you got to, you got to know your stuff.
0: Um yeah, no, I, yeah. Yeah uh that was one thing I wish I would have done a little more was uh when I first started writing, like I literally bought the Cliff's notes, like writing fiction, mm-hmm. you know, book, like how to write fiction. Um, because I had I have no I have no school in this. I have no contemporary education yeah. in writing. I mean, I got nothing. Uh so for me it was literally starting from nothing. Uh I had the story. Um and I will say uh, writing, it's gotten, I mean, just much better over the years. Uh, storytelling. I always considered myself a really good storyteller, but I was just learning to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, cause I could picture it in my head. It's like a movie. And I'm like, okay, where did I do this? So I'm like, I, I knew the story. It was just getting down on paper. Right. And I, I wish that I had taken, um, I wish I had taken classes, honestly, but you know, it's just, that's more time and more stuff. And, you know, there's there's a lot of online courses. I even now as nine years into this, there's just courses I want to take. There's creative yeah. writing classes I want to take just to hone the craft to kind of tighten things. You know, yeah. I mean, that's like a professional athlete, right? They never stop training. They never stop learning. So why should a writer?
1: Yeah, you just you got to read everybody. I mean, you you can't read below you. A lot of people, they'll get stuck reading. I only read independence. I only read small press authors. And if you do that, you'll only write small press books and indie releases. You got to read the people who really know what they're doing to be successful at this. Um, because they've learned all the lessons and it shows.
0: Sure. No. Yeah. Uh, I, I get it. Um, I guess if I would, uh, recommend, uh, I always recommend (laughs) my Jack Riley books, but, uh, I would actually recommend the anubis plague because that is going to be out by the time this video publishes mm-hmm. uh and that is the first book in a new series from nick thacker and i um she is a cross between her name is zarkane she is, is a cross between the new modern day tomb raider with evelyn carnahan evie from the mommy 1999 rachel wise's character um cool. so she has like a lot of that learned knowledge history um but she's also a badass and it, the. The books really happy with it was really stoked took me forever to write um for one reason or another it had nothing to do with the story itself uh it was just being able to sit down and actually write it i just wasn't in a good headspace for a while right. um and uh i would definitely check that out i think people are going to fall in love with zara uh she's 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 a badass she uh she was an american who was transplanted into london as a kid eventually joined the British army as a linguist. Um, and, um, she's just, she's magic when it comes to, to languages. So it, it's really cool. Uh, that's kind of like her superpower. We'll call it where, oh, wow. you know, oh, she also has the innate ability to survive everything. Cause that's just, you're going yeah, yeah. to need <laughs> that. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's what, you know, that's what the action hero is. You know, they survive, mm-hmm. they survive. <laughs> and, yep. uh, but, uh, you know, being able to be really deep with like languages and knowledge, and that was like, kind of her passion as a kid. Um, I, sh- I showcased that in the book that she was already learning a third language when she was 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's just kind of one of those things that I just loved about her because I'd never really um, had anybody like that in a book before. Like Jack speaks nothing. <laughs> Jack, right. Jack, Jack speaks English as well as I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's learning a little bit of Spanish because why not? but right. he doesn't, he's terrible with other languages. And it that's a part of the humor in the books is that he's just like, bro, slow down. <laughs> it's like <laughs> poquito. <laughs> <Right. rainy>. mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's very like me, like, uh, <laughs> easy, easy. I speak <laughs> bad English. That's the only language I speak. Uh, right. But, uh, but yeah, as far as somebody else, mm-hmm. Um, Ernie's uh, newer series, uh, the the Relic Runner, uh, the the Dak Harper thrillers, are so freaking good. Uh, it's people you, the the Courier, the first book in the series, uh, it's very much uh, what you would expect from Ernie when it comes to his Sean Wyatt adventure stuff, the archaeological thrillers that he writes. But uh, the Dak Harper character is literally like the Jason Bourne of archaeology, like he is a no nonsense, brutal, brutal tactician type of stuff, but. The entire series revolves around history and archaeology and stuff. So right. I, mean, I think it, he blends in the straightforward action thriller with the archaeological thriller like perfectly mm-hmm. in that series. There's four books. He's in the process of writing the fifth book right now or finishing it, I should say, um, called Moscow Sky. He's writing, and um, I can't wait for that one. Uh, the series is just nuts. It's bonkers. Okay. Um, so uh, I would definitely recommend somebody pick up uh, the Courier if you haven't read it. Um, so, but
1: uh, you- dialogue go read Jeff strand.
0: Oh, okay. Nice. Nice. Very good. Very good. Um, where can people find you if they have more questions, more information that they need?
1: Uh, you can find me through my website at michaelmcbride.net. Um, also on Facebook. I don't really do the social media thing too much. It's just not my yeah. jam.
0: No, I get it. I get <clears> it. Yeah. I, I unfortunately live deep within it. So it's, it's, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I kind of have to, it's how I kind of coordinate with people. So oh, sure. an email for me is just annoying. I just, gotcha. I hate, I hate emails. Cause I, I don't know if like, I like sending it and then <laughs> seeing red <laughs> like, I like making sure right. that it's actually been seen mm-hmm. in an email. I don't have that. It's annoying, but uh, I get it. No, That's I get it. I, I wish I wasn't as into social media as I was. Thank God. I'm not into Twitter. Uh, I was for a little bit because I would follow like a bunch of like fantasy football writers and stuff and like, and like movie stuff, but, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, just, it's too freaking toxic. I, I just right. can't do yeah. it.
1: Yeah. At well, least face, Facebook and
0: Instagram at least have gotten a little more, a little more pleasant depending on who you follow. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I use it just cause it's, it, it's easy to, to use for promotion, but that, that's right. about it. Yeah. I get yeah. it. Yeah.
1: But like you said, I mean, it's just, it's all so toxic anymore. Yeah. Nobody talking to each other, just talking at each other.
0: Oh, I know. I, I just, I'm like, everybody's, everybody, like, you know, we always said everybody was a, uh, everybody was a doctor because of WebMD, right? Oh, right. So it's like you would self-diagnose yourself to death and then you would actually just get sick for Uh mm-hmm. That's how it's become on Twitter with just like headlines. It's mm-hmm. like, you're now a uh, a political advisor because you've seen a headline. <laughs> it's like,
1: right. exactly.
0: like, oh man, I can't take this. I'm done. I'm out. It's like... <laughs> I have one go. I have one ghost account, and it's mm-hmm. literally just to follow fantasy football writers. <laughs> that's all I do is just follow like twenty different writers just for information on on like injuries and stuff. Okay, and that's that's all I really do anymore. I can't do anything else. I'm just Are you like-
1: a fantasy guy, or do you just like the sport?
0: No, no, no. I've I've been in this same league for eighteen years. Gotcha. So I've won it three of the last six years. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's a it's a it's a stakes league. There's there's an entry fee. Gotcha. Uh, so it, it's nice when I do well and it's terrible when I don't, <laughs> but no, I, I'm, I'm actually deep, deep into that, uh, into that world. Um,
1: gotcha.
0: and specifically the fantasy part of it. Like I don't, I don't particularly like I'm a Lions fan. My whole family's from suburban Detroit. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, grew up a Lions fan, I grew up a diehard Red Wings fan.
1: <laughs> Joey Harrington is my, um, sister's, the godfather of my sister's daughter.
0: Really? Oh, that's yeah. cool. The duck. Yeah, they're they're friends from college. Oh, that's cool. Oh, so she she, she went to the O. She went to Oregon. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, and she worked cool. with him for a while while she was doing her residency in Detroit too.
0: Oh, that's cool. That's cool. No, yeah, Joey. Uh, uh, I I like him. I I, I yeah, you know.
1: he's a great guy. He just yeah. He wrong place, wrong time.
0: Yeah. Uh, that was the story of most athletes being drafted by the Lions back then. Mm-hmm. So I get it. At least at least now there's a uh, there's hope there's hope now uh with the current staff in place but uh oh yeah um well yeah i mean i i i follow my players i i mm-hmm. i don't like i love watching the lions but i'm not like only watching the lions like i'm in south florida so you can imagine all it is is just dolphins and right. then right. giants and jets because it's very mm-hmm. much new york part 2 down here right. and it's like i don't care about any of those teams i just i I just don't like I support the Dolphins just because it'd be nice for them to do well, Mm -hmm. Uh, mostly for my neighbor's sake. Um, (laughs) Then I don't have to, I won't have to hear about it so much, but uh, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, Michigan Wolverines fan, never a big basketball fan was, you know, I followed the Pistons back in the, you know, back in the nineties, early two thousands when they were doing well, but I was never a big basketball guy. Uh, I've always been bigger Tigers fan, but I was always a big Red Wings fan growing up, especially back in, you know, when they were winning every year. Um, and then hated the avalanche. Oh Uh,
1: man, those are the best times. That was was the best, man.
0: (laughs) Those were the best times to be. Oh my god, watching those specifically those two teams. Uh Uh-huh. Oh god, they hated each other. Yep. (laughs) It wasn't like, Oh, we are a rivalry like Dolphins Jets. No, (laughs) they hated each other to the point to where they would go out of their way to make sure somebody got hurt. Like they hated each other.
1: Well, and did did you know that? Um When Adam Foote retired, it was um, Brendan Shanahan who gave his introductory speech at uh, the Hall of Fame. was it? Really? Yeah, because they were just such good competitors who hated each other so much. But it's one of those things where they brought out the best in each other.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I mean, that's yeah. Paul Coffey was saying the same thing about those teams. I mean, all those guys, they were all like. You know, I mean, all I can think about is is Chris Osgood and Patrick Waugh just duking it out in the middle of the ice. I mean, oh, yeah. Was, God, that was the best.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: and then Darren McCarty and Claude Lemieux. Yep. Those two guys hated each other. <laughs> the, that yep. was, like, something spectacular to watch those guys go at each other. But, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, so, Kurt Malpey, uh, trying to think of the, the – because the, uh, it was Kurt Malpe, Chris Draper. Of course, that started it all when Draper got checked into the boards. Mm-hmm. Uh, face first into the boards. Yep. Um, I mean, that was like oh uh, Joey kosher. Joey kosher hate oh, man. <laughs> those teams, those teams were they were both amazing. I loved watching Sackick and Forsberg and and, oh, yeah. and Lemieux and uh um uh Al McGinnis, right? He played for you guys for a little bit. Did he you no know, he uh, didn't play on No, Ray Bork. That's right. Ray Bork, Bork oh, like one of the, the, the classic defensemen that played for you guys for a while. And it's uh, very
1: good to hockey and with my youngest, uh, or with my kids in Colorado. Cause like you'd go to a rink, there'd be Milan. Heduk. There'd be just um, the avalanche take their kids to the same rinks. And it's just like weird, like rubbing shoulders. Oh, I watch you on TV and, and we were watching our kids. It's just you know, weird.
0: That was cool. Yeah. I went to a playoff game down here where it was, uh, the Panthers and devils mm-hmm. and we got skybox tickets. My entire family just dipped in to do a skybox for the, uh, for the mm-hmm. game. And we are like, screw it. Let's splurge. This is gonna be cool. Yep. And, uh, the guy next to me, just, just so the other box, so a little glass partition next box over, was uh, Pavel Bure's dad. Because uh, that's when Pavel played for the Panthers, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." <laughs> <laughs> of course, Panthers lost the game because I think that was the year the Devils won everything. Uh, New Jersey, mm-hmm. I think, won the Cup that year. But mm-hmm. uh, that was, uh, yeah, Martin Brodeur, Scott Niedemeyer. That was that was all <laughs> the. I
1: know.
0: Yeah, well, that that era, like I said, that era of hockey was like. And that was, and then of course they all fell apart when they went on strike, right. um, and that's yeah. that's honestly when I stopped watching a ton of hockey at the time is when they all went overseas and we lost a ton of players. But um, it changed, getting the... it, yeah, it changed. It changed everything. Mm-hmm. It absolutely changed. I'm getting more and more into it now, especially with the wings with their younger guys that they're bringing up, mm-hmm. um, and of course the Avalanche winning last year. Um, that was yep. that was cool. I like to see them. I like to see the, the Avalanche do well, just because it's it's one of those teams that I just I I grew up watching all the time because I grew mm-hmm. up watching the wings so it's always right. watching them in the avalanche mm-hmm. so it, and and nick's a huge avalanche fan so he always rubs it in my face because um, <laughs> they're doing well right there you know they, they've been doing well and the wings haven't been so he, he liked he goes dude it was 25 years of the other because <laughs> yeah. the wings were the best team in hockey for two decades yeah, you gotta yeah. give me something but but uh no cool yeah uh great to talk to you mike uh, i really well. appreciate it come you, you coming on mm-hmm. um if, any, if if anybody please check out Mike's stuff on Amazon specifically. Um, he's always got uh, gr- uh, great new stories coming out. Um, if you've liked what you've seen, please subscribe to the channel. Uh, go ahead and give us a like, tell your friends. Uh, the more people watching this, the more episodes I get to do because I I just enjoy the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. So um, I really, really, really do in- appreciate you uh, coming on and we'll have you back on down the road. Uh, okay, my Thank friend. You much. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.